Hello, Jake Bright, Mouth of the South, episode four. And today we have a special guest, Sheriff Robert Chody. How you doing, Sheriff? Doing good. How are you? Good, man. We're glad to have you on the show. So I've been talking to a couple politicians that are that, that have races and they are working what, ten hour days? Twelve hour days. Twelve hour days. Yeah. Polls are open from 7 to 7, uh, Monday through Saturday, and Sundays are open for uh, half a day. And so we're out there all day uh, holding signs and greeting voters and trying to get that boat right before they go in. For those of you who don't know the sheriff, if you live in this area, if we're in uh, the Austin area, you probably have seen Sheriff Chody on the news. Um, a few many, times, right? A few times, right? We go back to the Greg Kelly days. You were... The sheriff in Williamson County. Newly elected sheriff. Newly elected. Um, Greg had recently be, been remanded back to Williamson County in your custody. And that's when you and I met. I can't remember. Did I call you or did you call me? You actually sent me a Facebook uh, message. Okay. And Greg had been there for a while already. Uh, and uh, when uh, I guess the way he talked to you about the treatment, we were you know we were treating him really well over there, considering uh, the charge that he had, and you know it was very high profile in Williamson County, rightfully so, considering Williamson County has a history of you know charging people for wrong, or convicting people for crimes that they did commit. Greg was the second one that we're aware of recently, uh, third if you count me. And, and, <laughs> but uh, you know I got to know Greg a little bit, and I tried to uh, you know keep him uh, out of the spotlight as much as possible. But it was a, it was a big story when he sure. came back and uh, then you called me. I remembered him. I think what prompted that was he had told me that you had had him up to your office for donuts and coffee. Yeah, he, uh, so initially it wasn't the case. Uh, you know, I was really protective. I did not want anything happen to the potential innocent uh, Greg Kelly when all this was going on. And in fact, I told Greg and his mother and father and uh, his family and his attorney that, uh, because of the charge, you know, that's a very heavy, uh, you know, a heavy load to carry in a prison and a county jail. You know, obviously you don't know because I didn't follow the trial when Greg went through all that, but I knew something wasn't right. It felt like we had an ally in the room. Because my thought was if, if Greg is truly guilty, then he's going to have 30 to 60 days at our jail, whatever it is. And then he'll go back for to serve sure. a sentence. And if I was wrong, okay, so be it. He got a free ride considering, you know, a couple months. But if... Uh, if he's innocent, then we're wasting time already. And it's not up for me to decide that guilt or innocence is right. a process for that. But I just treated him with a great deal of respect and understanding that there's a high potential because it is not every day that an inmate comes out of TDC, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, to come back to the county jail to be retried or sure. look at other evidence. And yeah. something I've never heard of or even seen, we were witnessing it firsthand. Your daughter was following the fight for GK because that was yeah. one of our first conversations. How old was she at the time, Robert? She, I think she was still in high school. She, I think she's a Greg's age. And Sounds she about said right. something about his innocence. <laughs> and we actually got into a disagreement sure. about it. I was in law enforcement, but not a sheriff. I was a constable. And I said, look, I'm an elected position. And when, you, when you're liking, I think she was liking right. your page, to be honest with you. I said, you know, law she, enforcement. Fight, hey, fight or share, man. <laughs> yeah. Fight or share. <laughs> but I said, hey, I'm in law enforcement. And, you, you know, there's a perception until we truly find out what's going on because honestly I, I thought greg was guilty sure. initially uh, just like many other people uh and uh and you know being respectful she she did that and then as soon as we crossed paths and greg uh, started talking to him i called her up and said look i owe you an apology you were right when I, I sent you that facebook message and you actually called me and i said hey look i've never i've never met him but i want to meet him but i don't want to meet him you know sitting behind a glass wall and, and you 
I don't know what all you had to do to make this happen, but I remember walking into something that was about the size of a cafeteria. It was huge. And I was actually able to bring in real world food and we mm -hmm. sat down and I, look, I went to Monument Cafe and spent probably $200 on breakfast food. If that <laughs> tells you the spread that I brought in, because I knew he hadn't, you know, experienced that. And I said, man, when I meet this guy, I want to sit down and we're going to eat like Kings. And you, you made that happen for us. It's awesome. And so initially that's where we create, started a relationship, but I think there's a lot of misinformation going on about what kind of relationship we have. And so before we get too far into the current events, of what's going on right now, just on a scale of one to 10, how, how close of friends would you say that we are? Oh, I mean, very easily a one to one and a half, right? I mean, <laughs> not even a five, <laughs> not even a five. I mean, let's be honest. So we didn't even know each other. We, we talked to each other through a, a Facebook message that was one sided. And then I called you based on the phone number. And after that, we talked for a little while. Uh, and then after that, it was, have it, we ever shared a meal together? No. Have we ever shared a beer together? Nope. Have we, have I ever been to your house? Never. Have Can't you ever been to my house? Nope. Okay. So. I think it's fair to say campaign donations. In the I, campaign donations? I have, I have, have I ever donated anything to your campaign? No, nor have, have I asked. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever uh, paid me anything? No. Okay. The reason I wanted to just establish that up front is because I think there's a misconception going around that my friend, Robert Chody is in a jam and I'm going to, you know, fight to free him from that. And that there's nothing could be further from the truth. Here's what I know. I know that my friend, Greg Kelly, um, told me that there was a night and day difference between the jail that he went to prior to Chody's administration and the jail that he was remanded back to. And so I sent you a line and then you messaged me back and you told me your story. And I thought th that's when I knew that there was something different happening in Williamson County, you know? And so for me, it was one of those deals that, I hate injustice. I don't care if you're a multimillionaire sheriff or if you're an um, indigent teenager. Injustice, if it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for you. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for me. And so that's the one thing about our criminal justice system is that if the process isn't fair or followed, then we're all subject to, to being trapped in, in injustice. And once you're in it, Look, man, I mean, you won the lottery, correct? My wife did. Your wife did. How much how much did you guys win? Can we eighty five million? <laughs> eighty five million dollars. Okay. And that was one of the things that we talked about because for me, I'm always trying to see people's angles. And I was like, why in the hell are you running for sheriff? What's the uh, salary of a uh, Williamson County Sheriff? Well, what is it now? It's at you know, I'd have to check again because <laughs> they're having a I think it's, it just one, all goes into one, one big pot. <laughs> was that your was 85 your walk away or no, it was like 57. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, 57. Enough. So, yeah. so there back, was enough there. Back more than to, I woke back, up with them the next morning. Well, yeah. chunk of change. <laughs> back to that year, yearly salary, just because we were talking about it and debating about it, Lauren and I. What is that uh, yearly salary for Sheriff? And it's just over 100,000. Wow. wow, I overshot. I, I, thought, I thought overshot too. I thought it was 150, and she was saying, "Why would anybody go through what he goes through for 150 thousand dollars?" Why would I go through it for 350 thousand? Well, and that was the honest? that was the that was the point that I made. Once you've won that amount of money, then it it wouldn't matter if it was a half a million. You you got more than you need, right? And so 
why subject yourself to this kind of scrutiny? Why subject yourself to, you know, you, you've got a team of people that don't like you because you fired their spouse, you fired their uncle, whatever the case may be. And now you've become a political target. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that makes me sick about the way that our system works is, look, if you don't like the guy, vote him out. Right. But to indict him, to, to potentially hang a two to 10 year sentence over your head, over and we're going to get into that in a minute but just over what seems to be baseless claims now let me just full disclosure i was as close of friends with sean dick as i was with you as i was right so like we we i've never shared a meal with him but but i have yeah <laughs> i have i've had lunch with him many times uh, yeah. our, our spouses have met and talked we've sat at the same tables during uh uh, fundraisers or you know events uh, I've invited him to my table uh, as a guest to, to sit for certain events so me and Sean aren't strangers by any means right Sean Dick came at you with this and you had a good relationship with him was this just out of nowhere or was the relationship starting to sour uh, the show live PD which started all this uh, at, at the end of it when we re- when I renewed the contract without the court's approval which by the way the grand jury part is not part of the unapproved contract it was a new contract going into uh when we did that part let me clarify that so the indictment is what happened under the contract that was approved correct by the court but your problems with sean started right after right after that and so i think there was i think there was three contracts we signed three that we signed two under the court authority one where i was told by my legal counsel i had authority to do it because the court terminated the contract uh, and so, and I felt like the community really wanted this transparency that we always talk about. And, uh, that's where the problem starting arising, not just with Sean Dick, but other members in the uh, political realm, but Sean Dick specifically didn't like certain things. And, uh, and he was always clear to me at that time and right before about he needs the video. Our argument was always, it is not our video to give to you. And it, it's not my responsibility as law enforcement to do that. You have the power to subpoena use that power if you need it but he wanted the video for every case uh, and because of that it was starting to cause some problems and then he started to refuse to accept any cases with live pd at the end and then we started so the temperature in the relationship had been rising yes. for some time yes okay. yes yeah th- that was one of the things so i called sean two weeks prior to the indictment after i could tell things were getting serious and i said sean what what's going on here man and that was one of the things that troubled me. That was the first sign to me that Sean Dick was playing both sides. Now, when I watched Outcry, I saw the first glimpse of that. I mean, this guy plays the middle better than Switzerland. You know, I noticed that too. And you had set yourself up to, regardless of what had happened on the Court of Criminal Appeals, you were going to come out smelling like a rose. So I, that, was, that was the first check in my spirit when it came to Sean Dick. And then I called him, like I said, about two weeks before your indictment. And I said, hey, man, is there something substantial here? Like legit, is there a reason to be doing this? Or is this because the beef with you and Chody? And Sean goes, there's no beef between me and Chody. <laughs> hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned y'all have shared a meal before because he told me, he goes, in fact, I think we could probably go have lunch right now. Wow. He's and- so He's so... Out of touch with reality. And I knew that was bullshit because you had previously sent me a blistering email that he sent you saying, you know, get ready. We're coming after your butt. But 
you don't ever see that part of him on the news. Right. He is a master at at saying things that give you misdirection. Mike, you're a football coach, right? If you tell him, hey, we're going to line up and throw it this way, what's the defense going to do? So you look this way. Meanwhile, you're really planning on throwing it this way. Sean's a master of that. And I watched it all through the Greg Kelly case, and I was happy that it was working out on our side. But then watching him use that tactic against you, I was like, and that's why I wrote the statement that I did, because a lot of things have come out since then that made me think that I think we were had because of the way that, not because he's attacking Chody, right? But because of all of the things that have come out, he's hired several people that had worked for John Bradley's administration, right? He was actually a part of that. And the way that that all came together was seemed to me organic at the time. But now that I know what happened, looking back, those uh, warnings from Michael Morton uh, seem a lot more say. seem a lot more relevant, don't yeah. they? You know, and I've I've it's no secret that Michael Morton and I have had our differences, right? He was not a supporter. He was not a fan. <laughs> he was not a fan at all. He he always maintained that he felt like Greg was innocent. But I've since put myself in Michael Morton's shoes and I've gone, you know, if I was watching the team that buried my stuff for however long that they did, then come out and paint themselves like the white knight here, I'd have problems with that too, especially if they did it at the expense of Keith Hampton. Because I'm playing the shoes on the other foot game. You with me? And I'm sitting here going, all right, now all that makes sense. And... And that's essentially what happened was there was this guy, and we don't have to – it doesn't matter. He's not in politics anymore. But there was this guy that called me one day and said, hey, we have a mutual enemy, and I think we should be friends. That's how he started the conversation. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And I said, who is that? And he said, it's Jana Duty. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm listening. He said, well, look, here's the deal. I not only know where the bodies are buried, I help bury the bodies. I was on her administration, right? And I was like, oh, whoa, about, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, wow. we need this guy to, to expose Jana to the world. And so he said, and I've got this attorney over here that would potentially run for district attorney or he's announced that he's going to run, but he's going to need the support of the fight for GK movement. And I said, well, have him call me. And I can't remember if he sent me Sean's number and I called him or he called me. Right, I just know within five minutes of getting off the phone with this other gentleman, I'm on the phone with Sean Dick. And um, the, my first thought was, man, that's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. <laughs> Dick for DA. Like, oh. I, I mean, I'm thinking from a marketing standpoint, I'm going, oh, man. man, if we can pull this off, we're good because we there's imagine, only so many. Imagine having a Dick sign and a Chody sign. <laughs> Come on, you can't make that up. You cannot. So, <laughs> That's real life. So that was my that was my biggest takeaway was, man, I wish he wasn't so soft spoken, and I wish his name wasn't Dick. But the fact that he is so soft spoken may keep people from going down the Dick path, right? And uh, so I talked to Sean, and I said, "Hey, listen, I'm just, I'm just, it is what it is, right?" You guys are five years old. You know yeah. <laughs> my main concern here, because we had launched this. Fight Jana Duty Facebook page, 
And I feel kind of bad now because I'm watching these people attack you. And I wrote the plays for all that stuff. But I had a moral cause. I sure. wasn't I wasn't just attacking an individual. We were trying to create a change so that we could get somebody out of prison. Right. And I look back on that and I wish we could have done it in a cleaner way because I don't know, you know, there was a lot going on there before, during and after. But at the end of the day, I was focused like a laser beam on doing whatever we had to do. And the district attorney's office was fighting our motions just to get a proof of innocence claim heard in court. So if we can't even get it in the courtroom, doesn't matter how awesome Keith Hampton is. If we can't even get it in a courtroom, how are we ever going to get Greg out of prison? So I knew we needed to turn it political. And this gentleman called me and then I'm on the phone with Sean and I told him, I said, look, man, here's my main concern is that we have a district attorney that is going to be fair and transparent. My, I don't expect you to get it right every time. I don't expect you not to make mistakes, but when you make a mistake, fix it. Don't bury it. Don't, don't do all this corrupt stuff that we're seeing that this other team's doing. And I told him about the evidence we had of, of Greg's innocence. You know, I said, look, here's the deal, man. Um, there's another kid living in the house that looks just like Greg. And Jana just doesn't know that. And in fact, she didn't want to know that. She did. Well, in fact, Keith, I told Keith, I said, look, I'm paying the bill on this deal. I want you to sit down with Jana and I want you to tell her what's going on because I think she'll fix it. And, and he Keith, laughed at you. He did. He said, no, that's not going to happen. And I said, just try. So we made this big slideshow. They didn't get past the fourth one. She slammed her hand on the table and said, unless there's another kid living in that house that looks just like Greg. Okay. <laughs> Next slide. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then she goes, and his name is Gregory Raymond Kelly. We have nothing else to talk about. And she left the room. He called me back and told me the deal. And I was like, okay, I, that, that's when we decided to take it political. And so Sean cautioned me. He said, listen, don't tell me anything else. Because if you do, I'll have to recuse myself. But I can assure you this. If I'm elected district attorney, my office will be the kind of office that does exactly what you said. So it wasn't like a, hey, if, if you guys support me, I'll do this kind of thing. It felt genuine. It did, man. And, and it felt like... You know, at this time, it felt very ordained. I felt like, you know, God's coming through yeah. for us. He's going to save this deal. He's brought this man. I, I had no idea that the same guy that connected me with Sean was the same guy that helped Jana do all of that stuff against John Bradley. So you got you to gotta mm. think about how this worked. This guy used to be loyal to Jana. And he created this whole campaign around the Michael Morton case. And then he falls out with Jana and then he goes to Sean Dick. And I, I'm just, I'm just guessing here because I'm putting all these things in place now, now that I've seen how Sean plays both sides of him and goes, Hey man, I can get you this, but you need a Michael Morton. You need a case like that to yeah. build your reputation on. And then you can do whatever the hell you want. Wow. That's a that that's my feelings. I don't have proof of that. But it's one of those things that it enabled him to bring the team back. Well, and that's what he did. <clears throat> and that's what he that's did. That's absolutely what he did. And so I look at and then and then we had the Michael Morton stuff where Michael was going, What are you talking about? The <laughs> truth, fairness, and integrity. These are the guys that buried my stuff, right? These were the guys that got run out of town by 
the last regime. The last regime that now you guys are running a town with it. So are we taking a step forward or are we taking two steps back? I think if people can hear your heart, you know, if you're, if you're innocent, if you're guilty, shut up and don't tell anybody anything right. and make them prove everything. Right. But if you're innocent, being able to just sit down and have people hear who you are as a human first, and then, you know, what is, what is with this indictment? What is this tampering with evidence charge? What say you, Robert Chody, to those things? You know, I, the simple question answer is I don't know uh, because this came out of nowhere. Did uh, you tamper with evidence? I did not tamper with evidence. So you didn't come to the crime scene and say, "All right, boys, put your cameras in the basket. We're going to go." No, in fact, I when I was notified of this in custody death, I went to the scene because that, that's what law enforcement administration does. You you check on your deputies. You try to find out what happened, and uh, so during that process, I did make the scene. But you'll see in this video that uh, as soon as I get on scene, my lieutenant says, hey, just so you know, we're recording everything. And remember, everything is done at this point. So there's really no need to record. But uh, I, suggest, I said, look, and you hear it on the video, something to the effect of, look, keep everything rolling until the county attorney gets here. I want to make sure we do this the right way. Sure. And they said, Ted Foran, you can actually see a supervisor later on talking to another supervisor. And he's like, can we cut the camera off? You know, their body cameras. And that sheriff said, wait. I was waiting for the county attorney. You literally see. And let's let's talk about that for civilians because people like me, civilians out there watching this, why would a why would a police officer ever want to cut off their camera? Well, typically you don't want them to cut off the camera when they're having an interaction with a, a person, you know, that they're dealing with in the public. But after the event is over with, remember we're dealing with a crime scene. You're talking with deputies who've been involved in the incident that will be later going to court and saying something simple or that's not relevant can be taken out of content. I may be asking questions that are, uh, you know, getting to the point. I mean, there are a bunch of reasons why you wouldn't. So it's your obligation, yeah, right, right. Your obligation, because number one, they get due process, right. right? And so if you came up as their boss and said, tell me what happened here and, and, and you're digging in then that could be used against them in their own case. And so so you guys only, the company policy is, you only have to record the events. You don't have to record the debriefing. Well, not, not, well we, do, we, do a little, we do the debriefing to get a general idea of what occurred because, sure. I mean, you don't want to just send somebody out there if it's something so egregious. Right. So we try to get a general idea and then later look at the video to kind of put it together. And then there's an internal investigation afterwards to make sure all these things you know, took sure. place. The evidence wasn't there. When I talk about evidence, the body was already gone. I mean, there was nothing there of, of substance to, to capture. Uh, so, but even then, I waited for the county attorney. Right. And, so, and, but, the, but again, the main purpose is at some point, your guys need to be able to go offline right. and debrief off the record, which is totally understandable. Sure. I mean, we do that here, right? There's, there's conversations we have in the green room that we're not having on this show sure. on purpose. Well, in reality, actually, we do a, a quick debrief right there on a camera. Sure. And then after that, their attorneys say, do not talk without your attorney present. And then Got you it. wait for that. And then they base everything off of their attorney's suggestion. In other words, we could say, we want to interview you. And the attorney says, no interview. Well, they're going to do what their attorney says. Sure. And uh, and I think that's what happened actually in this case. So, I mean, that's that's protocol. You know, that's how we do it because of what you just said, due process. Officers have due process as well. And they, and they should. But my point in that whole conversation was, is I was basing things off illegal of not stopping the recording. And when you see them. So uh, you went the extra mile. That's my point. And yeah, so th that's for the body cams. But the actual indictment is based on the big fish production cameras 
that were ultimately that that camera footage that was that ultimately destroyed correct that's that's what we're being told correct and let, let me kind of simplify it though because i don't think people first of all i didn't destroy any footage i didn't even own it right i, I didn't even possess it right so i can't you signed someone. but you signed a contract that allowed big fish to destroy any evidence that they captured but that's the same contract that the county that's approved. not true yeah that's right? to say that's that's not accurate and what we what i think he's going to say is keyword being evidence well that and the ownership so and let me try to explain it this way if you have a ring camera at home right that's your camera right you could actually capture a crime on your front doorstep sure and if i'm aware that as a law enforcement officer and i come to your house and say i see you have a camera we believe you captured a crime you go back and look in your camera you say yes i captured the crime we say give us the video you have a right to refuse that you're the owner of that even though it captured a crime now what do we have to do to get that power subpoena right and then you don't have a choice after that and if you've destroyed it in between that point and the time you get the subpoena you've destroyed well evidence. knowing it's evidence it might i mean I'm, right. again i'm not an sure. attorney but the point was is LIPD always had the ability to destroy their own footage regardless the 30 days was actually put in by the uh, the court or the, the attorneys at some point uh, because for law enforcement we have to have a minimum of 90 days retention on video LIPD doesn't have that same retention regardless so they they could destroy it day one if they wanted to we said by 30 days that's what the contract says. and the county so attorney is, was aware of all this here's another point is there anything on the live PD camera and maybe you can't answer this question but is there anything on the live PD camera that wasn't caught on body camera uh, car footage helo helicopters overhead is there anything that's not um, still preserved as evidence I, I can't speak to what they caught and what they didn't have I know this it would be my understanding that there is nothing that they have that we don't have on tape already which what I think they call material evidence there's nothing on there that's going to change what you see in this video or my the, understanding was that they never requested the footage because they didn't need it that's my point is it, it's a baseless claim if it doesn't add to or take away from the evidence uh, well i think there's a couple arguments one is because when we talk about investigation are you talking about the criminal investigation you're talking about the internal uh, affairs investigation because those are two separate investigations one's internal one's criminal and we were doing the internal investigation we weren't doing the criminal investigation because it didn't Travis even happen. County? Yeah, it didn't even Travis happen. When, yeah, Travis because County. it's Travis County. Okay. Now I think the DA will argue that he didn't know, or I, I believe that's his claim that this occurred, which I have trouble understanding considering I tweeted it out. He follows me. Uh, three news stations tweeted out. He follows them. Uh, the news did three stories on it. Uh, you know, I've got big problems with that if he doesn't know. Oh, I, got, I got big problems, not with you, but with him. I do too. Well, and the timing is suspect. It's real easy to say you didn't know something, but guess what? That don't work in the court of law. Well, I've got an email from him just recently, before when, right this, when this all blew up, that he found out about LIPD contract through my social media post on Twitter. So he found out about that. Sean Dick, you got to move your feet, Bubba. You got to keep up, man. Things are happening. You got to pay attention. Well, I just don't think he's being completely forthcoming. Yeah, I think I, he I has an with agenda that. with the sheriff that he, for whatever reason, he's yeah. upset the way I did the contract. Well, and, and it's, it's the way that he, it's the way that he communicates that mm -hmm. when we watch this footage in, in a minute of his press conference, I'm going to break down for you because I've, I've, I've studied communication my whole life. Um, that's probably why I have a podcast today, but I've always been a student of communication. 
In fact, I'm I'm actually fixing to have my PhD in communications. Oh yeah, I am. I didn't know you had. Oh, you gonna buy that PhD <laughs> from a charter university? No, I was gonna say. <laughs> Mike was like, dude, what? you didn't even go to college. What's going on? <laughs> well, so the deal is, you can buy these things. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> turns out, turns out you can. Turns buy, out, you can I'm going to need the rest of you to refer to me as Doctor Jake for the rest of the evening. <laughs> I'll give you credit for the pilot license, but the communication <laughs> education—I don't know about it's a that. Doctorate in communications, <laughs> and uh, two to four business days, it'll be here. So, uh, no, but I have personally studied the communications, and I don't even think he's very good at it, but he does it a lot, where. He, he does an upstream stroke. And what I mean by that is this. If, if you ask me a question that you feel like I'm going to answer the affirmative to, I'll actually go out of my way, upstream stroke, give you a negative answer, but then turn around and reaffirm the positive answer that you thought you were going to get out of me, but I'm going, I'm going to give myself credence by first answering it in the negative. You're going to play in the middle. Yeah, man. I'm going to say, well, I'm not saying that he did that, but we have reason to believe that. And then, and so you, so you just, you create this, you circle around it. Mike, pull that up real quick. Um, I can't go into specifics about what it's based on, but as you can tell by the indictment, what we're after video and audio recordings, uh, obviously based out of the television show, uh, Live PD. So he released this press conference. And we did a press conference after this. And you guys did a press conference after this. But then you guys l released a statement. Right. You guys had gotten um, word from Sean Dick's team that, in fact, it wasn't about the videos at all. Right. And it was about the contract issues. Yeah, because if you watch this, you're sitting there thinking the sheriff of Williams County now that's, tampered with physical evidence. That's right. And that's not what he said in that. Uh, Mike, pull that up. That's not what he said in the beginning of that. He said it's about the live PD videos. I just noticed that. Right. 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 So there's one thing. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we all know that Sean and Tony Plohetsky have been playing phone tag back and forth. There's documents of that through open records requests where they were they were planning to take this out in in the public square. Look, he decides to declare a press conference. Yeah. And then he's going to lay this out here and throw these bombs. And then you're going to respond to that. And then he's going to respond by saying, it's a shame that Sheriff Chody wants to try this case in the court of public opinion. Bullshit. Sheriff Chody doesn't want to try this case at all. <laughs> we would prefer there not be a case here. You chose to take it in the town square. Did you really expect him to just take one for the team and quietly sit there? Meanwhile, you did this 30 days before an election? No, he did it 12 days before early voting started. So 30 days before the, uh, all right. So if you still have faith that Sean Dick is the guy that saved Greg Kelly's life and that, that Sheriff Chody must be an awful guy. I'm not trying to change your mind. Look, this was a hard, you know, how hard this was for me because of where I started with Sean. And it wasn't until I felt like I had been had that I'm even open to going down this road. And then once I started going down this road, I'm like, Oh, this is really bad. Problem is, when you got a guy like Sean Dick that's in the middle, you can't ever tell if he's doing a good thing or a bad thing. And so, mm. 
Now he's got all, he, he, he can do whatever he wants. And most people don't realize this, but a district attorney is probably the most powerful person in a county. Well, he indicted the sitting sheriff of Williams County and now influencing an election or trying to influence. You could you could arrest me for any crime you want out there because you're the sheriff. Right. But he could drop the charge. That's right. You could not arrest me and he could still put charges on me. He can indict you. He can indict me for anything that he wants. Yep. All right. So this is why it's so important. There's no vendetta against Sean with me. Um, And there's certainly no loyalty to you. Right. My problem is that when district attorneys start acting outside of the guidelines that they're supposed to do for the, it, it becomes very dangerous for everybody, especially when you've got a guy that got into that position because of the Greg Kelly case. And so that's why I felt a responsibility to get involved because I was like, oh my God. You helped put him there. I. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On one hand, right. I've got Mike. Let's let's keep playing this because I, I really want to break. It's yourself. it's important. You've got to understand this to understand to understand why any of this is happening. Well, I think they've they've both been charged as as an individual or as a party to this offense, and so that's as far as I can say right now. And that's a key right there, as an individual or as party too. So I, I can't talk about specifics about how the tampering occurred at the moment. Um, about how the tampering occurred. Layout. You see what he's doing? Yeah, he's setting up the uh, picture. As far as the trial, it's a little premature. Yeah, obviously, the courthouse is already dealing with... How would you like to have that guy that go along with, with dealing with your grand jury? So oh, wait, you know. How'd that feel? November 30th. That setting will be to sort of determine the timetable from that point moving forward. Uh, and right now, that hearing is probably scheduled to be a virtual hearing. Sure, you know... Um, I thought long and hard about timing, right? First of all, let's make it very clear. We didn't choose this timing. Okay, pause that. Pause that. I thought long and hard about the timing. A year and a half. Time out. You, you, you just got to pick these subtleties up here. I thought long and hard about the timing. Oh, by the way, we don't have anything to do with the timing. Well, then why the hell were you thinking about the timing? If the timing is a, if you can't control the timing, then why did you think long and hard about the timing? If it's just a thing that's happening and it happens on its own sweet time, which is what he, which is the, look, words create pictures in your mind. That's all words are. People like to try to take them out technically, but the whole goal with a word is to draw a picture in your mind. So when you say, hey, I thought long and hard about this, that's to create empathy for him as the decision maker. And then boom, timing's out of my control. Well, those two things are mutually exclusive because if the timing's out of your control, there's nothing to think about. Right. Yeah. All right. This is also released at the height of social unrest with right after George Floyd case and all that. Right. With all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to. Yeah. That's where we got to get into all that. We got to get into that. And and we got to get into the county district attorney's office was just notified in May of 2020 of the death of Javier Amber. That's a problem for me. At that time, we started to work over a year. Travis County DA's office. Uh, we found May of 2020. When was Floyd? Come out. When was Floyd? Pause that. When was Floyd? And so May. he just he just diverged that he wasn't made aware of this case until May of 2020. So George Floyd died. Thanks, guy. We knew that. We felt that, <laughs> but you just confirmed it for us that you didn't even know about it until after the George Floyd incident happened, which we all agree was a tragic incident. But all of a sudden. Here comes 
Rescue Ranger Sean, George Floyd happens. Now I want to insert myself in that national look. Hey, what's better than a Greg Kelly case? Being the guy that takes down the sheriff of a non-George Floyd, George Floyd case, right? And so th Javier, to me, that's what's happening. Well, look wow. at the messages that he's talking with Tony Pulaski from KVU and uh, Austin American Statesman that he's been having discussions with forever, but they are talking about terms like, I can't breathe, uh, naming the, I mean, the district attorney who's prosecuting. And these cases, cases are nothing. Look, you can look up this incident. It's on YouTube. Yes, the Javier, Javier, look, Javier Ambler died March 28th, 2019. Right, right. right. So a full over 14, 14 months. months prior to him finding out. You got it. 14 months. Now he does say, I can't breathe while he's being. Yeah, but, but remember, you have to look at the video. Watch the deputies in that video. They are not on top of him. They are straddling him. They're not even, and even on him. Here, here's, here's another thing. Even if they were, you weren't on top of them. Right. And let's also be clear. And I want to be sensitive because, you know, that's a tragic. Absolutely. What happened. And we live in a world now where when the tragedy strikes and law enforcement officers are doing their job, somebody has to pay a price. Right. Even if they didn't do anything wrong. Sure. And all I've advocated for is let everything play out in court. Right. And then all of a sudden I get side swiped with. In a, a grand jury subpoena because sure. the DA didn't like how I responded to his messages on the email. And now you he's literally painting the election picture right before elections. And, and if I can go back to, you said you asked me earlier, what's the motivation? Okay. You know, I don't know what the motivation is, but I do know that the same DA in the March primary of, the, of this year, 2020, that he was even investigating me having the Texas Rangers or the attorney general's office on a campaign sign that was placed in a yard by accident in the wrong location. In other by words, a volunteer. By a volunteer, not even by me. In other words, we get somebody signed up to get a campaign sign, you know, vote for Sheriff Chody, and they say, bring it to House 101. My volunteer is delivering signs, and he puts it in 103. And then a person across the street who is known as what we call haters, employees <laughs> who have been fired or disgruntled or whatever, they make a complaint with the agency not our agency another agency that agency actually investigates this for intimidation for two weeks before i even know about it then they contact the district attorney handed over him go we don't want this political football i looked and i said it's a campaign sign right Take it down. that was set by that somebody accidentally did when this guy gets it the da i said what are you doing with this case because it's obviously a mistake by a volunteer so well i'm gonna send it to the texas rangers or the Jesus. attorney general i said are you kidding me wow and to this day, I still don't know what the result was of that case. Yeah. Never talked to me about it. A fellow elected. And look, and if I come off of rude or, you know, kind of jolted or mad, I am a little. I mean, right. I got indicted. Right. So. Right. I hate when people take the low road. Like they take the low road and then they get mad at you for following them down the low road and getting mud on your tires. It's like, dude, this is the direction that you took us. And now I'm in a position where I have to defend myself. Hey, this is not about an election for you. This is about prison time, yeah. jail time, prison time. What is it? Taking you away from two the felony, two yeah, to two ten to years. Never so, vote again. Right. Well, I can, if I go to prison, I could care less about voting again. Right. But two to ten. I mean, I don't want to go to prison. Right. You know, make no mistake about that. Uh, and you said earlier that you know you're not perfect, and we make mistakes, and I have too. I didn't make a mistake by tampering with evidence. Right. I didn't tamper with evidence. You didn't tamper. Yeah, that's the whole thing is that, you know, and that's that's the reason. I, I tried to also handle this privately behind the scenes. And I told Sean, I said, look, if this is a situation where you're going out of your way, look, I've, I've 
I've been a public supporter of Sean. So when Sean's team does stupid crap, guess who they call? They call me. Hey. Oh, yeah, all the time. And one of the issues that is their backlog of cases. And and so you, you've you got this mountain load of work in front of you. And, and, and look, in, in Sean's defense, Jana Duty left them a mess. But you're going to spend these resources and this time and this energy right now right since you don't pick the timing but you're going to spend it right now on a political move when you've got actual people that need justice and that's why that's why I spoke out because when I when I spoke to Sean I said hey if you're doing this for this reason you need to stop if you response, don't if you don't mind sharing if you can I don't know yeah you... yeah I don't mind sharing because there is uh you know I made it very clear in that call that if he was being dishonest with me that the road was the road was torched right because i feel that strongly about using authority i, I feel like what's actually happening is this well you feel like he played you well that but I, I i feel like sean is you know he got a lot of attention from the greg kelly case and for somebody that had a problem with life pd he sure signed up for every interview that that uh Batbridge oh, asked him. oh my god yeah, okay. he was the most available guy on the planet for he them was on there a lot a lot yeah so You've got that. And, and I think that, I mean, look, when I was in that documentary and when they first come out, there's this big amount of, you know, attention and energy, and then it just kind of dissipates over time. And if you're a district attorney, you know, you, that, that wave was fun, but then boom, here comes this George Floyd deal. And I, and I honestly, I don't think it's necessarily, Hey, I want to, cause he told me verbatim, I, I believe Sheriff Chody is a good man. We're friends, right? I said, do you believe he's a criminal? Do you really believe he's a criminal that deserves to go to prison? And he said, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but Robert's my friend and he's a good man. Is he delusional? You know, I don't, I don't. Is he on medication? No, I. It almost makes it like he doesn't like realize the gravity of what he's actually doing. Well, I don't think he thinks it's ever going to. You're think, right. I don't think they're ever going to. I don't think he, he thinks they're going to actually get a verdict. I, I, I think that because he did express, express frustrations to me about some of your commanders and the way that they um, interacted with his office. Yeah, I mean, him have had those discussions. We both, you know, we both run a different, we're and both independently. And that's what I told him. I said, well, you don't fix that by indicting somebody. You fix that by picking up the phone and calling somebody. Well, we've done that. Well, so... I, I think what he's doing is saying, hey, as the district attorney, the only tools that I have in my box, look, I've got a I've got a hammer and I've got a screwdriver. Neither one of those are going to really work. So just hit him with a hammer. Right. And it's just like that's not the way you fix that. And I know you well enough to know that, you know, I feel like you guys could have a productive conversation about that. If, in fact, your office could do things that would make it better for him to have clear and clean convictions because the one thing that i do appreciate that sean was doing was raising the bar for law enforcement across the board to make sure that you get the right guy make sure that everything's done correctly but the same thing's got to apply for you as a district attorney you know and it just because you can walk something through a grand jury because you're a master of it that was one of the things that that a lawyer friend of mine said was he said it took me a long time to forgive Sean Dick 
because of this case that we had in common years ago that should have never had an indictment. And he walked that thing through. And of course, we prevailed in the case. But, you know, he's the master of getting indictments from grand juries because he plays the middle so well. And this is an attorney that I know very well and respect very well. And so to hear him say that and then watch him do that after he made it, you know, because that was one of the things I asked him. I said, well, are you are you seeking an indictment or are you just because he kept saying, look, if I don't do this, then I'm not doing my job. Which, again, when you watch the way he communicates, that means nothing to me now. So I really felt like he was going to just walk it through, get a no bill so that he could say, hey, look. Look, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to pick a fight with Black Lives Matters either. I walked this through the process. There was no indictment. Now now you're cleared, I'm cleared and and we don't have to revisit this, right? That's really what I was holding until I saw this and I was like, "Okay, that goes completely against the conversation that we had." Let me ask you this. Do you think Travis County got involved and pushed some buttons there that motivated Margaret Moore. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think, well, I mean, I know they got involved, but do you think that swayed Sean Dick where they went to him and said, look, buddy, you're going to, you're going to do this indictment. Well, I think you got to look at it this way from a political, from a political, because you have a Travis County DA who's struggling in the polls at that time. You've got a reporter who is obviously liberal, uh, radical liberal. Right. Uh, and then you have the DA here and who has a, I don't want to say dislike, but a, a dislike uh, against the sheriff and all forces combined because when Tony Plosky wrote that story and, and compared it with uh, the George Floyd, which is nothing like that, when he called me and said, hey, I'm getting ready to do the story. And I actually said to him, well, isn't that convenient? All of a sudden with George Floyd, now you're going to try and uh, you know, put work, these two together. Work that you know? angle. I sure. said, that's a shame that you're doing that. But Tony Plosky has no I had I'll just leave that alone. But <laughs> I'm with you during that conversation. I'll tell you, let me let me say this, because I, I have no um, fond feelings for <laughs> talking about playing enough. both sides. <laughs> I, I don't there's no love lost between me and Tony Plahetsky. And the reason why was he was anti Greg, anti Greg, anti Greg, anti Greg. All of a sudden, the uh, thing starts turning. He's, I love Greg, and, yeah. Oh, man, he acts like he's Greg's homeboy, you know? It's like, yeah, and dude. I get his job, but he puts people's lives in danger, especially What's the way they spend the coverage? Like when, well, well what, let me give you an example, Jake. Sensationalized. He, he wanted, after after this incident, he they uh, they did an open records on our pursuits, and he wanted to do a story, and it was titled something like, you know, deputies play to the camera, you know, for live PD. And then in the, in there, he says that there are 60% more, Williams County has 60% more uh, pursuits for minor traffic violations, uh, 60% more pursuits for minor traffic violations. When, year, when year they're over, being filmed. Year over year. It was year over year. Wasn't well, he was it? saying was like that because like here, we have had 60% yeah, of our pursuits that. were for minor traffic violations. What he conveniently leaves out because it doesn't address his narrative, because I gave, I gave him the numbers in an email. And the year in 2016, before I was sheriff, 70% of pursuits were for minor traffic violations. And I wasn't sheriff and there was no cameras. The year before that, 93% of pursuits were for minor traffic violations. And I wasn't sheriff and there was no cameras. So essentially, and I'm saying this sarcastically, love the I lowered pursuits. And Tony knew that. Yes, he knew that. Yeah. But he didn't fit his narrative. But didn't fit their narrative. And that's the thing is that. You know, when the public opinion was against us, Tony was against us. And when the public opinion was for us, 
Tony was well, right there on the in front the beginning, row. In the, be- in the beginning, that's what we were fighting. We were fighting public perception. And the news, cameras, the news cameras were shaping the way that that trial was going. It was also shaping everything. And we were fighting against that like swimming upstream. As it turned, absolutely. When he called to do that interview, uh, I literally was driving. He, uh, not one mention after he was talking about, you know, what happened in the incident, but not one mention of Margaret Moore. Not one mention. And uh, it wasn't until he released the story at 5 o'clock that evening. I'm talking to him at 8 o'clock in the morning. At 5 o'clock that evening that it says sheriff is stonewalling the investigation. And I looked at that article and go, what are they talking about? Tony didn't say anything about this. Why? And by the way, Sean knows about this at this point too. Yeah. I got no phone call from him or Margaret Moore. So I, my immediate reaction is to come back to the office and say, hey, I want to see all the, because I was not privy to the investigation. We just don't. Sure. Uh, but, and that does not support and that statement. And, and your agency wasn't in charge of the investigation. No, not right? at all. And even if it was, that's not something the sheriff involves themselves in, right? In fact, it would probably be inappropriate for you to get all involved in an investigation. Well, we, it? yeah, we would have, I mean, we had to. I mean, you're going to get briefed on it, but you're not going to be. Well, not even really. I might get briefed on it, depending. I mean, there's circumstances that do dictate that. But in this case, I was not privy to any information in the investigation, criminal investigation whatsoever. The only information I had any uh, information on was the uh, internal affairs investigation. And that was to just say, hey, they're coming back to work based on what they saw. There was no findings. In sure. The, there was some confusion on when they said LIPD destroyed the footage. They said they, you hear Dan Abrams say on national TV that Williams County Sheriff asked us to retain the video. And then when they found out that the investigation was complete, they destroyed the video footage. And so I try, I'm being honest and I go, well, I don't remember telling them to retain the video. First of all. Okay. That's one of the things that you told me that amazed me that you actually diverged that information, which, which it was very similar to the way that Greg did uh, with the SpongeBob pajama pants. It's like, dude, you're the right. only guy that knows that yeah, <laughs> you it wore those, me, right? right? It benefits you. Keep that out of the deal. But you, that's one of the things you told me when I first, because when I first called you about this, I grilled, dude, you're telling me you didn't tamper with this footage in any way, shape, or form. You're like, no. And and then I watched the Dan Abrams stuff, and I called you, and I was like, dude, you're good. And you're like, yeah, but I didn't. I don't even remember saying that to him. Like, I don't think I actually right. did tell him to retain the footage. And then the next part was is uh, they re- destroyed the video after the inter- or after the investigation, and I I said this. I said, look, I don't know where they got that information from. It is highly plausible, me thinking in theory, and this is all theory. Just, I don't recall any of Because we're asking you about something that happened a year ago, right? year and a half now, that you had no idea. Would be this. You knew walking up to that scene that you you had two deputies that could possibly have to go through some some stuff just because somebody died, well, just right? Yeah, that so you knew that time. that was a serious deal, sure. and it wasn't in Williamson County, and so you, you don't know what's going to happen with that. But you never thought that this was something that was going to drag you into it. No. Right? Not especially get indicted for the video footage, for something that was approved publicly. And so to go back and ask you to remember every little thing that happened, I think is crazy. And I think it speaks to your character that because Dan Abrams going on national television say, hey, Sheriff Chody asked me to keep this. That works out really good for you. Mm-hmm. And you say, man, I don't, I don't remember doing that. In fact, is it possible that you did it and just don't remember it? Or is it? No, I don't think because you guys didn't have a. I, w- I mean, that wouldn't have been my position to call. I guess I, even on the sheriff, I wouldn't have called the big fish or anything like that. Because like, you wouldn't have cared because it's their well, job to ask for the footage. The investigation would have got that anyway, so it right. should have. So that, that's 
and my point with with, with uh, the DA's office is they have all this stuff going on and they don't even call me. They, they, Margaret Moore doesn't call me. Sean Dick doesn't call me until everything hits the news. And you're like, I, what's going on here? And then, and then they get out this big brush and start painting broad strokes. Yeah, and, and then and I what saw, does that feel like, man, to just know that you've like, you don't have to do this job for a living. You chose to do it because, and we didn't really cover that earlier. No, and, and I can't, if you want, but yeah, why did it's you not be, that I didn't choose, I didn't choose, I have a passion for it because right. of a, a, you know, traumatic event that happened in my life over, you know, as a young, I say young kid, I was 14 years old uh, at that time. But, you know, I have a twin brother, I have a younger brother, six years younger and a sister, seven years younger. And I was the oldest, better looking too, obviously. <laughs> uh, but uh, you, my mother, uh, I lost my father at a young age at eight years old to suicide. Mm. And so my mother was raising four kids by herself in South Florida, Miami, Florida. Uh, and then we moved to Central Florida at some point. But she uh, she was involved in relationships that were abusive because, you know, sure. just, you know, she dated bikers, you know, yeah. the, the typical biker looking guy. But there was one particular night where this biker, her living boyfriend, uh, was assaulting her. And we've seen her get assaulted before. And I don't want to downplay an assault, but that was somewhat normal. But it wasn't normal that night because it was very violent. Uh, there was no weapons or anything. And we as kids were never affected by physically anyways. But this one was different. And we tried to stand up. We saw my mother getting seriously hurt. And we jumped up and tried to stand up. Her. Even though we're 14, we weren't big. And this guy was huge. Uh, and then he actually hit my twin brother. Mm. And uh, that was when I just had fear. And I, I said, I'm out of here uh, to call police. So I was able to run like a quarter mile down the street and call uh, 911 or whatever it was back then. And a county officer actually showed up. And by then, though, things have calmed down. Uh, he's still there. My mother's still there. But she's bloodied up in her eyes, nose. I mean, she's really messed up. And, you know, the circle of violence, that domestic violence, women, specifically sure. women, you know, that's, he's the financial guy, you know, right. he didn't have money. And uh, when the deputy came, uh, she said, he's gone. He's already left, which he was still in the kitchen at that time. And then I just opened the door and said, he's in there. And remember, you have to remember too, uh, domestic violence was different back then. The laws, right. you, they didn't really enforce what right. they do now. Uh, and he came in, this deputy came in and said, hey, I'm going to have you stand up. And if you want to take a swing at me, you have an opportunity of it, but I'll fight back. And I said, oh, my goodness, what is wrong I with this? Because he I was smaller. Up. Yeah, yeah this, this deputy was a small guy. Wow. But, uh, and of course, cowards that domestic violence guys are, he gave up to hand restraints, and we never saw that guy again. Yeah. And after that, I just felt a sense of security, like, wow, hmm. I'm not scared of anything right now because that guy is gone. The guy who was scaring me was gone. And I said, I want to do that job for some kid. And I truly, I have no doubt that's what drives me in a passion. Even even when people call us racist, when they when you see all this anti-police stuff, sure. there are a lot of good cops out there uh, who do it for similar reasons like I do for a, you know something that means something to them. And in fact, I met that deputy uh, just a couple of years saw ago. That. I yeah. found him on social media. Yeah, He's retired in Tennessee now. We had lunch. And that's really time. cool. Oh yeah, it was and great. you 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 were an awesome police officer, and mm -hmm. this is one of the things that. You know, I've seen a lot of misinformation about this was actually we talked about this in our very first phone call uh, because you offered this information to me about, you know, because I asked you, hey, why? Why did you run for sheriff? And you told me that story. But then you told me also that because, you know, here's the other part of it. You won the lottery. You don't have to do this. Why are you doing this? And you told me about the 
incident um, when you were at Austin Police Department that ended up. Tell the viewers that story. You talking about the lawsuit? Yes, sir. Uh, so that was, I mean, I remember I worked over there, what, seven, eight years, and I worked East Austin, you know, yeah. the majority of the time, and uh, very, at that time, very hopping place, but uh, that was just one of those calls that I wasn't even assigned primary officer, I was the backup officer, and the call was a domestic violence, actually, sure. uh, where they, they gave the description of a black male and a black, uh, assaulting a black female, and uh, it was 11, 12, it was late at night. Uh, I happened to be the first officer on scene, though, and there was nobody in that area. This was an area that, you know, you had to live in that area in order to be in that. It, was, it wasn't a main thoroughfare, basically. Right. And uh, I thought I saw the female in front of a location near that address. Sure. And it appeared to me that she was pointing at him. I, I think that was later told not to be the case, but that's what I thought. Sure. Because you walk up, you you don't know what's going on. Yeah, I had no idea. I just know right. that assault has been reported. And, and you're looking for a black male. Yeah, and there's a well, a black male and a black female. And, and they're, here they and are. And there's a black female, what I think is pointing at a black male. And he sees me and turns around and just walks away. And I, Which is I a warning call. sign. Yeah, a common thing. Sure. Uh, when they try to avoid, and they don't, they don't have to run to try to avoid police. Right. And I, I even holler at him and say, hey, let me holler at you. And uh, he's obviously ignoring me because I raised my voice and say, hey, come over here. He, completely ignores me and i literally jog up to him and grab his arm and when i say grab his arm i just hey i'm talking to you and he immediately turned around and uh, at that time i didn't know if he was trying to hurt me i don't think he was right uh but i immediately kind of got him in a wrestling move that they call it a bear hug, not a bear full hug. nelson full, full nelson, nelson thank yeah. you uh because it just was a reaction it wasn't sure. something they trained us to do that's for sure right uh but then i walked him over to our, my car and I'm controlling him because he's just resisting. Hey, Sheriff, can you put Gus in a full Nelson just so we can show people what that move looks like? You've been working out, Gus. All right, you ready? Here's yeah, your full good. Nelson. And then I walked him over. Okay. All right. So now that sounds scary, doesn't it? But we just saw that. And I was a wrestler growing up. Now, you couldn't do that in wrestling because it was it was considered a potentially dangerous move just because if you took a guy's hands away and then you slammed his head into the mat you could break his nose right so we weren't allowed to do it but it's certainly nothing in and of itself that can yeah it's no impact or anything no, you, like that so you didn't strike this guy no you just put him in this full nelson move like right. that and you and you took him back took him to the car and uh and i pushed him on the car holding him down because he, sure. he's flaring now Keep in mind, I found out, I think he was 16, 17 sure. at the time. Uh, he was a wrestler, I found out later. So he knew I didn't have well, to get Well, he should have known yeah. how to do, deal with that. No, now, with that said, he uh, at some point he goes into a medical episode, a seizure. Sure. Uh, Starts convulsing. Yes. But when I see that, I don't initially believe it. Right. I don't know. Why would you? Right. And, and that's what the challenge sometimes in law enforcement is. Is he faking this? Sure. And, uh, not knowing, you always have to be careful because... Right now, I'm by myself. In fact, I pushed my what they call emergency button at that point because there was also a group of uh, males. Uh, I think they were Hispanic males across the street that were having a big party. And I could see one of them trying to come to me, taking off his shirt, which is a classic move sure. for fighting. And his friends were actually holding him back. And then now I'm dealing with this young man as well. And then at some point, the mother comes out. Right. I don't know she's the mother at the time, but she tells me. And she's actually helping this situation because she's telling this young man, Hey, do what he says. You're a, you're a boy. He's a man. I mean, 
completely helping me out. Initially, I told her to stay back. Uh, but when I realized that I didn't care about her and where her position was, I was more worried about the sure. other guys. And, but remember, I pushed my emergency button, which means cavalry's on its way. The first officer on scene only knows that I pushed my emergency button and I'm out on a disturbance. The mother, if I remember correctly, is close to my gun side, and he sees that. He doesn't know what's going on, so he right. comes up with the, we call it SL-20, the flashlight, sure. long flashlight. And I think he strikes her in the lake. Yikes. And she goes down, and uh -huh. I immediately yell at the officer, say, no, it's not her. I'm worried <laughs> about it. She's doing nothing. <laughs> it's that crowd. Watch gotcha. that crowd. And then he's like confused, but he understood, and then that was it. And then I, at that point, had released my uh, hold on the uh, suspect, and I'm watching. I'm still not sure, but I'm like thinking that maybe something's wrong here. Then we call medical, uh, EMS, they come out, look at him. And then I go talk to that female that pointed at him and said, so what happened? She goes, what do you mean? I said, what did he do? How did he assault you? So it was the wrong guy. It was the wrong guy. Right. So oh, I man. call a supervisor. They, he says, hey, you still got to do this. And then they sue me afterwards yeah. uh, in federal court. Had it been the right guy, any issues? Fine. Okay. So we got to keep in mind the job that we're asking law enforcement to do. Um, you're dealing with potentially dangerous situations in, in all the time. And then you got to get it right every time. And, and then when you get it wrong, you know, are we going to try to turn this stuff into criminal? Now, had you shot the wrong guy, there we go. That's a problem, right? Had you, had you beaten this young man, had you done anything like that? But you know, and if you, if you know the whole deal, and this is why I wanted to have you on this show, if you know the whole deal and you've been very forthcoming with that stuff and you don't have to, cause everybody signed non-disclosures and, and you settled it. So APD called, they called that a nuisance lawsuit, meaning cause I wanted them to settle that a year ago uh, because nobody likes to have a lawsuit hanging over them. I think, and I don't, I didn't make the decisions for them, I, but they said, Hey, we're going to settle this lawsuit. And they offered the, uh, the, the people in this case, a certain amount of money. I think it was $30,000. And uh, next day I was on the front page of the Statesman with my check. You know, and mm. and that's not being sarcastic. It's the truth because there is strategy when something like that because people have different sure. motives. And the case, I mean, it was over with as far as I knew. And then it wasn't until I ran for office. I don't know how many years later, years later, because I, I left. So you didn't have to personally pay them to settle that lawsuit. No, the that city, was the city. city. That was taxpayers. City. Taxpayers okay. footed that. And then, uh, then at some point, I run for constable in Williams County. And I think it came up again. I'm sure. Uh, got through that part of it. Uh, I ran a second term unopposed. No mention of it. Not one right, iota. Right. And then I ran for sheriff. One or two news stations wanted to run a whole news story on it. Sure. And I said, okay, you know, I get it, you know. Because one thing I tell the news is, like, you don't tell the story when I went to New Orleans, when Katrina, the letters right. broke, and I was there for yeah, a week a and right. brought a family back that lived in my house for free. You know, and I'm not saying that to brag, sure. but nobody no, talks about right, that. Right, right, right. Uh, you don't talk about my niece who's African-American. You know, you don't. nobody wants to talk. And I actually said that in the interview because I was filming my interview because I knew they wouldn't show it. Right. Uh, because it doesn't fit their narrative. Game. Right. Uh, then, of course, I'm running for uh, re-election, and now you have this what I call the disgruntled employees slash the radical Democrats slash the radical media of all joint forces. Uh, and you may not believe in conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories. I'm starting to. I, man, I can't figure out why everybody cares so much about the sheriff of Winston County. No, no offense. I mean, I think it's a great, <laughs> I think it's a, a cool job for you <laughs> in retirement here, but 
yeah, you know, and I'm sorry, Jed, but you know, because there are things going on in Williams County that people need to know about, you know, uh, when you talk about what the DA has been doing, when we have a JP in, uh, in precinct one who never even comes to work, right. and, you know, puts a big load on the other JPs. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about autopsy, you know, you know, coming out. For my, my whole point, though, is that I can't believe that people care this much about the sheriff's race. Because it fits their narrative. When none of these people know how important a county commissioner is, and none of these people know how important a district attorney is. And, you know, it, I think that, look, and, and we use this to our advantage in Greg's case, social media is a force multiplier, and, yeah. you've, and, and you've got a group of disgruntled employees. And, and we've, we've had this conversation before, which is, look, I run a couple of businesses and I couldn't imagine running a business where my employees got to vote on who was going to run the show the next day. How do you do that? How do you run? An- <laughs> You're talking to somebody's indicted. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, that's okay though, because I mean, I want to do a good job. I mean, essentially the taxpayers elected you to clean up Williamson County. Like that, that was pretty much the mandate, well, right? That was the importance of LIPD as well. Yeah. The transparency. We wanted it. all that. And we were and look, I was, I was one of the ones screaming for that stuff too. We want transparency. We want fairness. We want truth. We want all this stuff. And then you come in and start doing that stuff and man. Kick the hornet's nest. Yep. Well, look at the case. I mean, you had a use of force on live PD that the DA is actually investigating now. And when he told me he wasn't going to uh, a year ago, but you have a case that he's taken to the grand jury or the Texas Rangers one and uh, 16 months after the fact. And uh, people saw it on national TV and there wasn't any mention of it. Well, we just had a guy on last week, Derek Haddad, that wrote a book called They Must Be Monsters. And one of the things that we talked about is how profitable it is to whip up mass hysteria. You know, yeah, I believe that. and yeah. and one of the things that we talked about was how relevant that is today and the hysteria that's being whipped up right now. And it won't last because it can't last because it'll last till November 4th. It'll last, yeah. Is, exactly is right. this is this cops are killing everybody? This thing that gets people, especially if you're black and, and it gets them all worked up about something that's not really happening. You know, through the millions of interactions with law enforcement every year, very, very, very small percentage are actually mistreated, right? And I'm not saying that, look, if it happens to you, then it matters sure. a lot because, you know, regardless if it's 1%, if you're the 1%, that's a big problem. And But I was watching this video on YouTube the other night or Facebook, and it was this guy that was, like, attacked by a cop, okay? White guy, though. And I, oh, I saw that I shared it because one of the things that this guy did that was amazing to me was this overzealous police officer, in my opinion, this guy walks out, he's got his hands up. He's very non-confrontational. And this guy just like spikes him into the ground for no reason. That was uh Trump's, that was Trump's ex. Uh, yeah. He was something, something, something there. Right. There but what he did was even though he got attacked, he fell back with his hands up. He did not resist arrest. And guess what happened? Nobody got shot. Nobody got killed. So even in that situation, now what we have, man, what a great situation to deal with a bad police officer and go, look, this guy's bad. Here we can prove it because the guy didn't resist. Most uh, most people in that position, if you just got attacked by a cop, your first inclination 
might be to fight back. Don't do that. Stop resisting arrest because the moment that the the way it, I, the reason I shared it from my page was because I thought it was a perfect display of one of the very few times I've ever witnessed personally where a cop was completely out of line and the other guy was completely in the right. But even though the cop was wrong, he didn't resist arrest. And guess what? Nobody died. I think there was some underlining circumstances. Well, I think that guy was uh, that guy. I, I believe the threat sure. was his wife was saying he was suicidal. suicidal. There was a gun in the house. But what I'm saying is at that moment when he walked outside, he wasn't being confrontational and he never resisted arrest despite being attacked. Okay. And so if, you know, I don't know why we can't spend the time and energy focusing on a stop resisting campaign because that might actually solve our damn problem. Well, they've had that discussion before. Uh, I mean, talking about uh, compliance, uh, compliance is the even issue. if the cops wrong. We're not saying cops are right every time. There's a lot of jerks out there that are police officers. You know this. You've worked with them. But if you give them, if you resist, now you give them credence. You give them a reason, and everything that they do after that is on you. Is the way I look at it. Well, some people will just they'll argue the fact, and I'm not suggesting one way or the other. But I do believe in compliance. Uh, but they'll say that if you know that an officer is doing something illegal, you have a right and duty to defend your, you know, your your position aspect. But I, I get what you're saying. But you really can't do that because he's got friends there. He's gonna win every time. <laughs> and I don't. It's like the old Ron White. I don't know how many of them it was gonna take to whip my ass, but I knew how many they were gonna use. Right? Like you can't win that battle. And oh, by the way. What happens if I get attacked by a cop and I don't fight back and I don't resist arrest? It's kind of like winning the lottery, right? True. Because I'm going to sue and we're going to have big problems. And mm -hmm. it, I, I can tell you what, I've, I've had my ass kicked for See, less. Here's the problem I'm having is we have a DA who, who I know we, you know, everything that we haven't finished watching the footage. And all the, all the evidence has been presented to a Williamson County grand jury. Uh, we didn't have anything additional to present to a Williamson County grand jury, and they've returned an indictment. Um, so the timing is, is not. Gee, imagine that. Um, it's not chosen. It's just the timing that it is, and we're just following the law and the evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, people that are charged with um, indictments always want to come up with some explanation or some uh, sinister plot behind it. I think anyone that knows me knows that I'm driven very much by what's right and what's wrong and what the evidence tells us. Well, and that's so true. That's what we've been, um, that's what I was elected to do, was to make sure that those that we believe have committed crimes are held accountable in an appropriate fashion. So I'm just here doing my job. And let's remember, this is, you know, Williamson County Grand Jury, citizens have heard evidence. You see how many night. times he keeps deflecting that? Yeah. The investigation's been going on for several months. I can't get into specifics about grand jury and, and 13 seconds uh, but obviously our investigation has been going on for three months it, it took 19 witnesses so you can imagine what kind of time frame that would take uh, actually the the first um the first conversation we had was with uh mr gilford uh the the chief of the civil rights division in travis county uh to be honest with you i think what happened is sheriff chody decided to um go back on the live pd in april Mm. Uh, of 2020 and I made some comments uh, you know now we're getting to the, the crux of it returning and what we would need in our office to prosecute those cases and I think that's the first time that the Travis County Gates office realized that we knew a lot about live PD how to obtain evidence from live PD and how that process would work and that's when Mr. Gilford reached out to us for help honestly and just trying to secure that evidence so he called Sean Dick but they didn't call me right 
So I can only speak to Williamson County. Obviously, there's a pending investigation that's going on in, in Travis County. Uh, my interest was not in uh, was not in pursuing um, a company out of New York. My interest was in to find out what happened here in Williamson. County. Okay, pause that. Wait, I thought your job was to enforce the law. Your interest, you know, he, there's so many things that he does here because I think Rudy Koski got him off his game in the Absolutely. beginning, and, and so. My interest was not in, in going after the guys that actually destroyed the evidence. Your interest, why does that play into it? Why does your interest play into it, Sean? So let me tell you some things you didn't know. First of all, somebody remind me, you know the difference between the God and the DA is? I can't wait for this. <laughs> what? God doesn't think he's a DA. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I like so, it. So, but you know, here's a bombshell. I think I'll kind of drop. You see what I'm? You see where yeah. I'm headed with that, right? So let me tell you something. I don't think you knew about, and and maybe I told you. I don't know, but you know, when you're when you're a sus, what they call you a target in a grand jury, meaning when they call you to a grand jury, you have a right to ask, uh, from my understanding, hey, am I a target? And if you're considered being a target, you have to ask the DA. I want a target letter. Sure. To your attorney, and what that does, it spells out basically to the defense attorney. We are going to ask your client these questions, or we're going to ask on these law issues. This is we think he's tampering with evidence. We think he's doing this. We think he's doing that. So the questions are going to be based on that, right? And so it tells you what they're targeting you for. Tampering was not the only uh, charge I was being targeted for. There were two other charges that were misdemeanors. One was interference with public duties or something like that, and the other one, which I really want to highlight, was uh, failure to report. Fail to report. A custody in custody death within 30 days and they didn't the get an indictment jail. on those two well no but my point is this no they didn't but that charge failed to report in custody death within 30 days to the attorney general's office which is required by law sean dick had the email within the 30 days from my deputies to the other travis county saying do you want us to report this to the attorney general or are you going to do it we already did they said and I look at that and I tell my attorney, why is that even on here? Right. Why is he still targeting me for that charge itself, which demonstrates he's trying to, to sure. me, that trying to make a puzzle fit. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I've got, yeah, that, that's, I've got major problems with this because. So do I. <laughs> well, I was going to really? say, from my perspective, I didn't know, I was not really educated on all the background on all this, so I didn't quite know what to think. I mean, I know you from the Greg Kelly case and what you did for him, but I wasn't like, I have other friends who know you from Austin PD who are saying, you know, disgruntled things. So I'm kind of, I was kind of in the middle coming into this. And as we unravel all of this, I'm getting ticked off yeah. at what I'm seeing from Sean Dick. Right. Because now I'm starting to see how all this is working together and the timing and just the political see games. The, see the motive. The political games that are going on here, and it's like when you got to keep. Wow, you got to keep in mind too, right? Why you got to find a motive, and I cannot find a motive in just his uh, the the temperature of y'all's relationship, right? Because That's, it's no secret that he strongly disdains Mike Gleason too. In fact. He's the reason Mike Gleason isn't still working for you. Well, not still working. He never worked for me. I'm sorry. So isn't still working for Williamson County, right? He was a right. candidate. 
No. He was previously employed, and, and just so you know, um, and I'm not trying to call any attention to your opponent, but I also, look, if he wants to come on here and, and do what you've done, because we haven't taken it easy on you. We're asking you the tough questions. Now, it, I think most of us agree with your position, but um, we want to make it very clear. The reason that we do is because we've asked you the tough questions in, in private, as, and so now we're willing to do it in public because we, we like the answers. But I'll, I'll, I'll extend Mr. Gleason the same courtesy. Sean had sent you an email asking you not to hire Gleason as your number two or three or wherever he was in that pecking order. Well, yeah, yeah. he was a captain or a chief at the time of the jail, and he used to do patrol as well as the captain. But when I was looking at candidates to take a, a high-level position, chief in this case, uh, he was one of the persons I was talking to, and uh, I guess it got around at some point. Now, at that point, I had already started seeing some integrity issues that I would just didn't feel comfortable with. Sure. And then Sean Dick, who just won as well, he was the district attorney-elect. I was the sheriff-elect. He said, hey, I hear you're considering this guy. I said, yeah. And, and I saw the dash cam uh, footage of all this stuff, and and – you know, I understand why Sean had serious concerns. With I, him. And I do too. And when I saw that video, I said, you know what? That's just the icing on the cake. Uh, so I don't think, I know you think that he's trying to back Gleason. I don't think that he's doing this. I know he's doing it before the election. Some say he's doing it for the democratic party. I believe that's no, no, no. what I believe. I believe. Uh, part I, I was going to say, I think this is coming more from Travis County. Here, no, and, here's and my he theory. will switch parties. That's a theory. I don't know if it's true. Here's my theory. He doesn't have a race right now, okay? And he really doesn't care who the sheriff is because he hasn't enjoyed working with your team. He knows he's not going to enjoy working with Gleason's team. Gleason, um, in Sean's opinion, is one of the one of the kinds of cops that we don't want to have. But the question is, who do you like less? Right. Well, so I asked Sean that question, actually, and what he told me was, um, that he felt like you were running the sheriff's department. He felt like you were running the sheriff's department like a fraternity. And I said, okay, but Gleason has been, you know, they call him Hooter Mike Gleason for a reason because he takes all his guys out drinking at Hooters. And then, you know, when they get pulled over, they end up pulling their badge out and getting escorts home and stuff like that. So wow. you, you know that you're going to get the same thing if, if that's what you're saying Chody is doing, you're going to get that same type of behavior from, from, from Gleason. So I don't believe it's politically motivated. What I believe is that Sean's in it for himself to be able to be the guy. Follow me on this. I know I'm going a long way here. To be the guy that took down a law enforcement officer right in the middle of this whole Black Lives Matter stuff. Mm-hmm. So that he could that he could hitch to that. You might wagon. be right. You might be right. Because think about the implications. If he's able to successfully prosecute you, then he's the guy. Now, I don't know if he. You know, th these are all just my feelings. I'm not. You know, I'm just guessing here as to why he's doing it. It doesn't make sense to me. I think it was the dumbest thing he's ever done. Um, but I look at it like this: if if he's able to successfully prosecute you and he's able to, it's either that or two, what if he doesn't? And then he's got black lives matters on, 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 on his case. Right. So it's one of those two things. In, in my opinion, it's either 
It's either to try to get some sort of credibility for the district attorney's office for being the guy like he did in the Greg Kelly case that came in and fixed everything. And now he's running the rotten sheriff out of town. And, and now he's got a lifetime of credibility here. And Oh, by the way, he's kind of still pissed at you about, you know, doing the live PD thing, which he didn't get to be on. Well, let me give you a theory based on that as well. You've got a Republican, so-called Republican DA. Demographics are changing rapidly, rapidly. in Williamson County yep. every two to four years. Turning look, blue. At, look what happened two years ago from four years ago. Mm-hmm. Turning blue. That's right. Sure. And uh, and old Sean's gonna play. Well, in yeah. So, so you take out the well, sh- you take out a. I'm with this. I'm with this. I'm with your you, theory. You That's take out I'm the thinking. sheriff who has a who has somewhat of a following of some of the community and who's hated by some leaders in the community, fellow Republicans sure. included. So not everyone will be mad at you. By the time you get done with your four years, you might have the opportunity to say, you know what? I can go to be a Democrat now and I will get the support of those Democrats because he's look what I did. Played to both sides. He did us that favor because have you ever heard? I mean, you got play in the middle. I had a presidential candidate play in the middle all the way. Yeah. So that that's my theory. That's what yeah. I believe. It could I, be wrong. I, I believe the same thing. I believe the changing demographics have a lot to do with it. It makes sense. He, he ran unopposed, so yeah. he's being reelected. So why do we he's getting think eight he... years? He's getting eight years as a DA. He doesn't have. Here's what I don't understand. Him. So look, we know he doesn't like you. We know he doesn't like Gleason. Um, why doesn't he not do this before the election? If he's, this was, this was, he's thinking of 2024. This was actually, this was actually my proposal to Sean. Um, No offense here, but here I said, look, okay. If you're, what you're telling me is they're both incompetent to be sheriff. Right. Yeah. And I'm taking, (laughs) (laughs) if what he's telling me is that you're both incompetent to be sheriff and you're both, you know, mind you, he's got his own problems and his own, and he's got a fifth of the employees of yours. So I understand that why that might be hurtful to hear but if in his opinion you're incompetent to be sheriff and he knows what he's got in Mike Gleason and he lobbied hard to keep him from he didn't lobby hard he he sent an email to the he sent a letter to the former sheriff and then when you came in he made sure that you got it and then followed up with sending you the footage of the incident I met him at his office so but he gave you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He gave you the foot. I, mean, I mean, that to me is like I don't hey, know that's lobbying hard, but okay, he, I mean, he sure. lobbied. But he, he lobbied. Know. He lobbied against Gleason to you, which is oh by the way how this Buddy Falcon page started because once Gleason and a few of these other guys right. didn't get the job, so not only is Sean here we go play in the middle again. Not only is Sean the reason Gleason didn't get the job or part of the reason that Gleason didn't get the job, he's now pulling all this stuff back together again. And he's the one guy that comes out smelling like a rose. Which, by the way, his number three person in the district attorney's office, the chief prosecutor, represented my opponent in a civil case years ago. Right. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of connections here that I don't know that we will ever really find out. No, and, and, and the deeper you look into local politics, I think the more disgusted you'll be. It's pretty sickening. And let me just say this, though, because what I think we always forget about, and that includes with all the media, is what have we done? That is yeah. good. Now, you know, we reduced the response times, priority response times in half. Uh, you know, we've created a cold case unit that solved the identity of two victims, one from 1979. Wow. 
uh, in three but that years, doesn't, none did, of that plays well on social media. No. You yeah, know? I, know. I was going to get to some of those questions. You know, the Self Defense Academy, we've reached uh, over 30,000 people, including, you know, women, uh, females who are joggers on how to better protect themselves. And they do a self defense class that's provided free. You know, the, the biggest program, thing that you've done, in my opinion, which is what you're being attacked for the most right now, which is crazy. And, and Jesse and I got heated talking about this the other day was bringing that transparency in Williamson County. Now, look, we're never going to get live PD back because the show's been canceled. And I understand why a lot of people think that that show is liability. I think we lost a very good thing. Um, you right, we did. I think we did because, you know, in, in that conversation that we had, Jesse, I, I was like, well, man, wouldn't you want to see what's happening? Because you don't know. And you had brought up a case where this kid – with his bag of weed, his life was potentially ruined over how big a bag of weed? I don't know which one. We had a lot of weed uh, on that yeah, show. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was just a, it was a 17-year-old that got caught with a small you know, personal amount of marijuana. And our conversation, our conversation that we had is that transparency uh, brought some attention to that. You received some, bre- some, some negative feedback um, from that case. And that led to some changes where you guys lightened up and well, didn't decriminalize. Did. But yeah, because what we did with that. Yeah, was, but your position on that was it's a liability to the county. Absolutely, it's a liability because you're you're anti live PD, correct? I mean, you enjoyed watching uh, the no, show. I enjoyed watching the show, but I did not see I did not see the the I I always thought there was going to be unintended consequences that could potentially arise like as, indictment as an, <laughs> an indictment or um. Just, just a number of liability issues. But let me tell you what it did do, because without it, talking about what you're uh, just discussing with the marijuana, I'm a firm believer. If you if you don't want marijuana, I mean, there are many different views on that, but it's against the law, right? I mean, it is against the law. Was right? We're not pointing. Colorado yet, but change it out to legislative, right? But right. until then, I noticed when we were, you know, because I was amazed how many people smoke marijuana. I mean, from 18 to 60, so I was amazed. I, so I saw the backlash, not to interrupt you, but I saw the backlash on social media. And that's exactly what you said. You said, hey, if you want to change it, change the law. And then the law got presented and got put on the desk and got denied by Abbott. He, it but what it still did for us here in Williams Jesse. County, though, what it did for us here in Williams County, though, was because I got enough emails saying I was ruining people's lives. And then I started thinking about it. And I approached the county attorney and said, you know what? When you have somebody being pulled over in the city of Boston, part of our jurisdiction, uh, in Williams County part, and they have, it's a nonviolent offense and it's marijuana, it's a joint. Now we're going to take that resource to deputy. And first, we're going to impound this person's car for 300 bucks, whatever that is. And then we're going to transport him to the jail and go all the way to Georgetown. And now we have a resource that's off the streets that can't take that call for service for that family violence, sure. for that aggravated robbery. All for a joint, by the way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, now I'm thinking more like that versus just, hey, it's not right. I'm thinking, hey, this is a taxpayer issue, all this stuff. you got to balance this stuff So out. I approached the county attorney and said, hey, is there a way we can address this? The law actually, because my deputies would be breaking the law if they didn't make the arrest, by the way. If it's just the one joint, we, we had no other method other than that process. But the law allowed us to do site and release, and we did that. And now my deputies have the opportunity, if they choose to do so, if a person meets certain qualifications, like they have proper ID, they live in Williams County, we can write a site and release. We're not impounding the vehicle. The charge is still there. And then they go to court on a selected day to deal with that. And it's, well, it's just meeting in the middle. That's why I feel like we've lost a good thing. Because, look, you either 
there's a lot of really messed up. I hear about it all the time because everybody ends up on the wrong side of the law. They call me now, but it's, it's one of me, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny how it works. God's got a sense of humor. He does. He does. But you know, it's one of those things that I'm like, there's so much crazy stuff happening that you, you as the normal lay person, it's, I included myself prior to being involved and I still am in some regards, you have no idea how much crazy stuff happens every single day. And people that might be your neighbor, they might go to church with you. They walk in that job as a DA on Monday morning, like a shark in a tank ready to eat fish and, and will destroy people's lives. If you don't know about it, you can't fix it. I mean, I don't know very many people that feel like people should go to jail for using marijuana. I don't know those people. But because they don't realize that people's lives are being ruined over that. Now, yes, it's against the law and they shouldn't be doing it. But let's face it, 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 most people don't feel good about that, sending people to jail for stuff like that. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? You got to vote. You got to change it. But first, you got to know about it. Because just because nobody that you know that's a good person. Now, we love it when, when the marijuana is the cause to be able to get like a, you know, otherwise badass off the street, right? We love it if that's the hook that we could get to, to get them. But then, but then when it's used on good people, we're like, oh man, I hate to see that happen. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to know about that stuff to change it. And you got to see it first. And the fact that you were willing to give that transparency to your constituents, to me, it's really ironic that Sean's chose to to come after you for tampering with evidence because you're the reason the show was there. And had he had it his way, there would have never been that evidence that you never owned, you never tampered with, you never deleted. And I think that's the the big point. Sean, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And why are you doing this now? Those are questions he's going to have to answer. And Sean, you're welcome to come on the show. I'm mad at you, but I, you know, I still think you can, you know, I would rather see you change. I'd rather see you become a better DA than to continue down this road. And you know what? I get mad fast. I make up fast. You know, we can fix this, but we got to start doing it for the right reasons. And that was my last text to Sean was, I hope your intentions are pure on this. Mm. And I can't for the life of me. And look, if something comes out and we find out that you did, in fact, burn the tapes in your basement or something, then <laughs> I'll be the first one to apologize to Sean and be like, look, dude, I really broke down your game footage <laughs> and made you look like an asshole, and I am sorry. But I, I have done enough digging to figure out that this is flimsy, and I can't tell you why he's doing it. But if the reason you support Sean Dick is because of Greg Kelly or because of something that I've said – don't do it for that reason anymore because I'm telling you, in my opinion, I feel like we were had mm. in a major way. And I hate to be the one that look, the, the other story is way better for me to tell. Man, we came into Williamson County and we ran Jana out of town and we cleaned it up and this is our guy. And, you know, it would have been much easier for me to let you die on this altar. You with me? Because I didn't want this to be the reality. And there really is no reason for me to do what, what I'm doing here. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And you know, but I, I'm not saying that to, you know, um, incur any favor with you. I'm saying that so that my viewers know there is absolutely no reason to do this except for it's the right thing to do in my opinion. 
Mm. And, you know, a lot of these negatives uh, that comes from some of this is from actual cops who used to be employed. Look, I've got I've got a lot of hate mail because of you, but I've also got a lot of I've got a lot of fan mail from people saying. Hey, look, the sheriff's department is just different place. I trace that back to the original one, Greg mm-hmm. Kelly, which is how we met. And then, but I've had 10 times as many deputies talk about the positive things that you've done. And if you're watching this, think about what it would be like to have to manage an organization. That doesn't want to change. It doesn't, you know, we look at the job you've been hired to do. It's to clean up something. We can all, we, we all wanted that in Williamson County. Mm-hmm. It's to clean up something but we're going to criticize you when you fire people, which how many people have you actually personally fired? I'm glad you said that. Uh, so when you say you, it's not me personally, no, because no, there's a problem. Time out. How many people has Robert Chody by himself called somebody in his office and said, Hey, pack your shit. You're out of here. None. Never. <laughs> okay. So these people got on your radar of the termination scope through people that work for you. Okay, so let me just make this clear. Unless we're going to hold Mark Zuckerberg responsible for every person that's ever been terminated from Facebook, and we're going to believe their bullcrap, unless we're going to treat everybody like that, this guy's already got it tough because he's got to get reelected. You don't get to vote. Most CEOs, which is essentially the job you're filling, in a, in a deal the size of Williamson County, you know, you got 500 employees, 558, and they've all got family members that, you know, are, are judging your performance that are voting for you. And so it's an important job, man. I appreciate. I thank you all for your time today. Yeah. I appreciate you coming out of your ivory tower to, uh, <laughs> from the polls from, to, to serve, to serve Williamson County. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry that people have attacked you the way that they have. I appreciate that. And man. you, I'm going to stand by you, man. Cause I believe you number one. And I, and I believe you to be a good, honorable man. And we, we got to take care of the good ones if we want to keep them. Otherwise, we're going to end up with the shitty ones. And then there, there's nothing you can do to complain about it. Cause Amen. You picked them. Thank you, Sheriff. Sure. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We're you. out. Thanks, sir.